Chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels, Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou, tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. Jerome after the preaching and teaching is offered an occasion of working miracles, that by mighty works following, the preceding doctrine might be confirmed. Pseudo-Chrysostom, because he taught them as one having authority, that he might not thence be supposed to use this method of teaching from ostentation, he does the same in works, as one having power to cure. And therefore, when Jesus descended from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Pseudo-Origen. While the Lord taught on the mount, the disciples were with him. For to them it was given to know the secret things of the heavenly doctrine. But now, as he came down from the mount, the crowds followed him, who had been altogether unable to ascend into the mount. They that are bowed by the burden of sin cannot climb to the sublime mysteries. But when the Lord came down from the mount, that is, stooped to the infirmity and helplessness of the rest, in pity to their imperfections, great multitudes followed him, some for renown, most for his doctrine, some for cures, or having their wants administered to. Hemo. Otherwise, by the mount on which the Lord sat is figured the heaven. As it is written, heaven is my throne. But when the Lord sits on the mount, only the disciples come to him, because before he took on him the frailty of our human nature. God was known only in Judea, but when he came down from the height of his divinity and took upon him the frailty of our human nature, a great multitude of the nations followed him. Herein it is shown to them that teach that their speech should be so regulated that as they see each man is able to receive, they should so speak the word of God. For the doctors ascend the mountain, when they show the more excellent precepts to the perfect. They come down from the mount, in showing the lesser precepts to the weak. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Among others who were not able to ascend into the mount was the leper, as bearing the burden of sin, for the sin of our souls is a leprosy. And the Lord came down from the height of heaven, as from a mountain that he might purge the leprousness of our sin. And so the leper, as already prepared, meets him as he came down. Pseudo-Origen, he works the cures below and does none in the mount. For there is a time for all things under heaven, a time for teaching and a time for healing. On the mount he taught, he cured souls, he healed hearts, which being finished as he came down from the heavenly heights to heal bodies, there came to him a leper, and made adoration to him. Before he made his suit, he began to adore, showing his great reverence. Pseudo-Chrysostom. He did not ask it of him as a human physician, but adored him as God. 
for faith and confession make a perfect prayer, so that the leprous man in adoring fulfilled the work of faith and the work of confession in the words he made adoration to him, saying, Pseudo Origen, Lord, by thee all things were made. Thou therefore, if thou wilt, canst make me clean. Thy will is the work, and all works are subject to thy will. Thou of old cleansest Naaman, the Syrian, of his leprosy by the hand of Elisha. And now, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Chrysostom. He said not, If thou wilt ask of God, or if thou wilt make adoration to God, but if thou wilt. Nor did he say, Lord, cleanse me, but left all to him, thereby making him Lord, and attributing to him the power over all. Pseudochrysostom. And thus he rewarded a spiritual physician with a spiritual reward. For as physicians are gained by money, so he with prayer. We offer to God nothing more worthy than faithful prayer, in that he says, If thou wilt, there is no doubt that Christ's will is ready to every good work, but only doubt whether that cure would be expedient for him, because soundness of body is not good for all. If thou wilt, then, is as much to say, I believe that thou willest whatever is good, and I know not if this that I desire for myself is good. Chrysostom. He was able to cleanse by a word, or even by mere will. But he put out his hand, he stretched forth his hand and touched him, to show that he was not subject to the law, and that to the pure nothing is impure. Elisha truly kept the law in all strictness, and did not go out and touch Naaman, but sends him to wash in Jordan. But the Lord shows that he does not heal as a servant, but as Lord heals and touches. His hand was not made unclean by the leprosy, but the leprous body was made pure by the holy hand. For he came not only to heal bodies, but to lead the soul to the true wisdom. As then he did not forbid to eat with unwashed hands, so here he teaches us that it is the leprosy of the soul we ought only to dread, which is sin, but that the leprosy of the body is no impediment to virtue. Pseudo-Chrysostom. But though he transgressed the letter of the law, he did not transgress its meaning. For the law forbade to touch leprosy, because it could not hinder that the touch should defile. Therefore it meant not that lepers should not be healed, but that they that touched should not be polluted. So he was not polluted by touching the leprosy, but purified the leprosy by touching it. Damasinus. For he was not only God, but man also, whence he wrought divine wonders by touch and word. For as by an instrument, so by his body the divine acts were done. Chrysostom. For by touching the leprous man, there is none that accuses him, because his hearers were not seized with envy against him. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Had he healed him without speaking, who would know by whose power he had been healed? So the will to heal was for the sake of the leprous man. The word was for the sake of them that beheld. Therefore he said, I will, be thou clean. Jerome, it is not to be read, as most of the Latins think, I will to cleanse thee, but separately. He first answers, I will, and then follows the command, be thou clean. 
The leper has said, If thou wilt. The Lord answers, I will. He first said, Thou canst make me clean. The Lord spake, Be thou clean. Chrysostom. Nowhere else do we see him using this word, though he be working ever so signal a miracle. But he here adds, I will, to confirm the opinion of the people and the leprous man concerning his power. Nature obeyed the word of the purifier with proper speed, whence it follows, and straight his leprosy was cleansed. But even this word straightway is too slow to express the speed with which the deed was done. Pseudo origin, because he was not slow to believe, his cure is not delayed. He did not linger in his confession. Christ did not linger in his cure. Augustine, Luke has mentioned the cleansing of this leper, though not in the same order of events, but as his manner is to recollect things omitted, and to put first things that were done later, as they were divinely suggested, so that what they had known before they afterwards set down in writing when they were recalled to their minds. Chrysostom, Jesus, when healing his body, bids him tell no man. Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man. Some say that he gave this command, that they might not through malice distrust his cure. But this he said foolishly, for he did not so cure him, as that his purity should be called in question. But he bids him tell no man, to teach that he does not love ostentation and glory. How is it then that to another whom he had healed he gives the command to go and tell it? What he taught in that was only that we should have a thankful heart, for he does not command that it should be published abroad, but that glory should be given to God. He teaches us then through this leper not to be desirous of empty honor, by the other not to be ungrateful, but to refer all things to the praise of God. Jerome. And in truth, what need was there that he should proclaim with his mouth what was evidently showed in his body? Hilary, or that this healing might be sought rather than offered, therefore silence is enjoined. Jerome, he sends him to the priests, first because of his humility, that he may seem to defer to the priests. Secondly, that when they saw the leper cleansed, they might be saved, if they would believe on the Savior, or if not, they might be without excuse. And lastly, that he might not seem as he was often charged, to be infringing the law. Chrysostom. He neither everywhere broke nor everywhere observed the law, but sometimes the one, sometimes the other. The one was preparing the way for the wisdom that was to come. The other was silencing the irreverent tongue of the Jews and condescending to their weakness. Whence the apostles also were seen sometimes observing, sometimes neglecting the law. Pseudo-origin or he sends him to the priests, that they might know that he was not cleansed according to the manner of the law, but by the operation of grace. Jerome, he was ordained in the law that those that had been cleansed of a leprosy should offer gifts to the priest. As it follows, and offer thy gift as Moses commanded for a testimony to them. Pseudo Chrysostom, which is not to be understood, Moses commanded it for a testimony to them, but go thou and offer for a testimony. Chrysostom. For Christ, knowing beforehand 
that they would not profit by this, said not for their amendment, but for a testimony to them, that is, for an accusation of them, and in attestation that all things that should have been done by me have been done. But though he thus knew that they would not profit by it, yet he did not omit anything that behooved to be done, but they remained in their former ill will. Also he said not the gift that I command, but that Moses commanded, that in the meantime he might hand them over to the law, and close the mouths of the unjust, that they might not say that he usurped the honor of the priests. He fulfilled the work of the law, and made a trial of them. Pseudo-origin, or offer thy gift, that all who see may believe the miracle. Pseudo-chrysostom, or he commands the oblation, that should they afterwards seek to put him out, he might be able to say, You have received gifts on my cleansing. How do ye now cast me out as a leper? Hilary, or he may read, which Moses commanded for a testimony, inasmuch as what Moses commanded in the law is a testimony, not an effect. Bede, should any be perplexed how, when the Lord seems here to approve Moses' offering, the church does not receive it, let him remember that Christ had not yet offered his body for a holocaust, and it behooved that the typical sacrifices should not be taken away, before that which they typified was established by the testimony of the apostles' preaching, and by the faith of the people believing. By this man was figured the whole human race, for he was not only leprous, but, according to the Gospel of Luke, is described as full of leprosy, for all have sinned and need glory of God, to wit, that glory that the hand of the Savior being stretched out, that is, the word being made flesh, and touching human nature, they might be cleansed from the vanity of their former ways, and that they that had been long abominable and cast out from the camp of God's people might be restored to the temple and the priest, and be able to offer their bodies a living sacrifice to him to whom it is said, Thou art a priest forever. Rigmig. Morally by the leper is signified the sinner, for sin makes an unclean and impure soul. He falls down before Christ when he is confounded concerning his former sins, yet he ought to confess and to seek the remedy of penitence. So the leper shows his disease and asks a cure. The Lord stretches out his hand when he affords the aid of divine mercy, whereupon follows immediately remission of sin. Nor ought the church to be reconciled to the same, but on the sentence of the priest. Verses 5-9 through nine. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. Pseudo Chrysostom, the Lord having taught his disciples on the mount, and healed the leper at the foot of the mount, came to Capernaum. This is the mystery signifying that, 
After the purification of the Jews, he went to the Gentiles. Hamo. For Capernaum, which is interpreted the town of fatness, or the field of consolation, signifies the church which was gathered out of the Gentiles, which is replenished with spiritual fatness. According to that, my soul may be filled with marrow and fatness, and under the troubles of the world is comforted concerning heavenly things. According to that, thy consolations have rejoiced my soul. Hence it is said, when he had entered into Capernaum, the centurion came to him. Augustine, this centurion was the Gentiles, for Judea had already soldiers of the Roman Empire. Pseudo Chrysostom, this centurion was the first fruits of the Gentiles, and in comparison of his faith, all the faith of the Jews was unbelief. He neither heard Christ's teaching nor saw the leper when he was cleansed, but from hearing only that he had been healed, he believed more than he heard, and so he mystically typified the Gentiles that should come, who had neither read the law nor the prophets concerning Christ, nor had seen Christ himself work his miracles. He came to him and besought him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, and is grievously afflicted. Mark the goodness of the centurion, who for the health of his servant was in so great haste and anxiety, as though by his death he should suffer loss, not of money, but of his well-being. For he reckoned no difference between the servant and the master. Their place in this world may be different, but their nature is one. Mark also his faith, in that he said not, Come and heal him, because that Christ who stood there was present in every place, and his wisdom, in that he said not, Heal him here on this spot, for he knew that he was mighty to do, wise to understand, and merciful to hearken. Therefore he did but declare the sickness, leaving it to the Lord, by his merciful power to heal, and he is grievously afflicted. This shows how he loved him, for when any that we love is pained or tormented, though it be but slightly, yet we think him more afflicted than he really is. Rabin, all these things he recounts with grief, that he is sick, that it is with palsy, that he is grievously afflicted therewith, the more to show the sorrow of his own heart and to move the Lord to have mercy. In like manner ought all to feel for their servants and to take thought for them. Chrysostom, but some say that he says these things in excuse of himself as reasons why he did not bring the sick man himself, for it was impossible to bring one in a palsy in great torments and at the point to die. But I rather think it a mark of his great faith, inasmuch as he knew that a word alone was enough to restore the sick man. He deemed it superfluous to bring him. Hilary, spiritually interpreted, the Gentiles are the sick in this world, and afflicted with the diseases of sin, all their limbs being altogether unnerved, and unfit for their duties of standing and walking. The sacrament of their salvation is fulfilled in this centurion's servant, of whom it is sufficiently declared that he was the head of the Gentiles that should believe. What sort of head this is, the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy teaches. He sets the bounds of the people according to the number of the angels. Rignig, or in the centurion are figured those of the Gentiles who first believed and were perfect in virtue. 
for a centurion is one who commands a hundred soldiers, and a hundred is a perfect number. Rightly, therefore, the centurion prays for his servant, because the firstfruits of the Gentiles prayed to God for the salvation of the whole Gentile world. Jerome, the Lord seeing the centurion's faith, humbleness, and thoughtfulness, straightway promises to go and heal him. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Chrysostom, Jesus here does what he never did. He always follows the wish of the supplicant, but here he goes before it, and not only promises to heal him, but to go to his house. This he does that we may learn the worthiness of the centurion. Pseudo Chrysostom, had not he said, I will come and heal him, the other would never have answered, I am not worthy. It was because it was a servant for whom he made petition that Christ promised to go in order to teach us not to have respect to the great and overlook the little, but to honor poor and rich alike. Jerome, as we commend the centurion's faith in that he believed that the Savior was able to heal the paralytic, so his humility is seen in his professing himself unworthy that the Lord should come under his roof, as it follows. And the centurion answered and said unto him, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Rabbin. Conscious of his Gentile life, he thought he should be more burdened than profited by this act of condescension from him with whose faith he was indeed endued, but with whose sacraments he was not yet initiated. Augustine, by declaring himself unworthy, he showed himself worthy, not indeed into whose house, but into whose heart. Christ, the word of God, should enter. Nor could he have said this with so much faith and humility, had he not borne in his heart him whom he feared to have in his house. And indeed it would have been no great blessedness that Jesus should enter within his walls if he had not already entered into his heart. Christologos Mystically, his house was the body which contained his soul, which contains within it the freedom of the mind by a heavenly vision. But God disdains neither to inhabit flesh nor to enter the roof of our body. Pseudo-origin And now also, when the heads of the churches, holy men and acceptable to God, enter your roof, then in them the Lord also enters. And do you think of yourself as receiving the Lord? And when you eat and drink the Lord's body, then the Lord enters your roof. And you then should humble yourself, saying, Lord, I am not worthy. For where he enters unworthily, there he enters to the condemnation of him who receives him. Jerome, the thoughtfulness of the centurion appears herein, that he saw the divinity hidden beneath the covering of body, Wherefore he adds, But speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. Pseudo-Chrysostom He knew that angels stood by unseen to minister to him, who turn every word of his into act. Yea, and should angels fail, yet diseases are healed by his life-giving command. Hilary Also he therefore says that it needed only a word to heal his son, because all the salvation of the Gentiles is of faith and the life of them all is in the precepts of the Lord. Therefore he continues saying, For I am a man set under authority, having soldiers under me, 
and i say to this man go and he goeth to another come and he cometh to my servant do this and he doeth it pseudo chrysostom he has here developed the mystery of the father and the son by the secret suggestion of the holy spirit as much as to say though i am under the command of another yet have i the power to command those who are under me so also thou though under the command of the father in so far as thou art man yet hast thou power over the angels but sibelius perhaps affirms seeking to prove that the son is the same as the father that it is to be understood thus if i who am set under authority have yet power to command how much more thou who art under the authority of none but the words will not bear this exposition for he said not if i being a man under authority but for i also am a man set under authority clearly not drawing a distinction but pointing to a resemblance in this respect between himself and christ augustine if i who am under a command have yet power to command others how much more thou whom all powers serve gloss thou art able without thy bodily presence by the ministry of thy angels to say to this disease go and it will leave him and to say to health come and it shall come to him Hamo. or we may understand by those that are set under the centurion the natural virtues in which many of the gentiles were mighty or even thoughts good and bad let us say to the bad depart and they will depart let us call the good and they shall come and our servants that is our body let us bid that it submit itself to the divine will augustine what is here said seems to disagree with luke's account when the centurion heard concerning jesus he sent unto him elders of the jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant and again when he was come nigh to the house the centurion sent friends unto him saying lord trouble not thyself for i am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof chrysostom but some say that these are two different occurrences and the opinion which has much support to it of him in luke it is said he loveth our nation and has built us a synagogue but of this one jesus said i have not found so great faith in israel whence it might seem that the other was a jew but in my opinion they are both the same person but luke relates that he sent to jesus to come to him betrays the friendly services of the jews we may suppose that when the centurion sought to go to jesus he was prevented by the jews who offered to go themselves for the purpose of bringing him but as soon as he was delivered from their importunity then he sent to say do not think that it was from want of respect that i did not come but because i thought myself unworthy to receive you into my house when then matthew relates that he spoke thus not through friends but in his own person it does not contradict luke's account for both have only represented the centurion's anxiety and that he had a right opinion of christ and we may suppose that he first sent this message to him by friends as he approached but after when he was come thither repeated it himself but if they are relating different stories then they do not contradict each other but supply mutual deficiencies augustine matthew therefore intended to state summarily all that had passed between the centurion and the lord 
which was indeed done through others, with the view of commending his faith. As the Lord spoke, I have not found so great faith in Israel. Luke, on the other hand, has narrated the whole as it was done, that so we might be obligated to understand in what sense Matthew, who could not err, meant that the centurion himself came to Christ, namely, in a figurative sense, through faith. Chrysostom. For indeed there was no necessary contradiction between Luke's statement that he had built a synagogue and this, that he was not an Israelite. For it was quite possible that one who was not a Jew should have built a synagogue and should love the nation. End of chapter 8, verses 1 through 9.